Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. We'll never call it anything but Twitter. It's at Braden Gall if you are still hanging around on that godforsaken platform. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Blue Sky oh. at Scavendish. More on, on that. that later. Uh, or Instagram at Scavendish. Uh, if you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, you can read it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it, you can do all those things, you can smash that subscribe button, we'd really like it, but more than anything, just tell somebody that you know, you listen to Lame Stream Sports, and they should too. On the Apple Podcast app, if you want to scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit five stars, please give us five, five. stars, five stars, because if you do not give us five stars, as Bomani Jones once says, you are a hater. <laughs> Give us five stars. <laughs> Give us five stars. Okay, Josh Mancuso on the show today. Uh, comedian from Knoxville. A very interesting sort of journey in his career and life. A writer, an actor, a comedian, uh, a creative a, a creative as a creative gets. Uh, just ultimately one of the more interesting guys we've had on the a, show. A star very, very of the platforms. Of, yes. of, all the, of all the platforms. And very, very talented, very, very good, and uh, very, very interesting guy. So you'll get some backstory on how he got started with all of his comedic stuff, with all of his videos, with his mascot stuff, with his college football stuff. He's doing movies. He's doing indie films. He's an actor. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. Really funny guy. Glad we had some time to talk with him. Of course, big Tennessee guy. He lives in East Tennessee, but born in L.A. We will talk about that strange dichotomy, uh, but a fascinating guy and a really fun conversation with him. So we will talk with him in just a second. Um, of course, this lovely and amazing podcast that you should get five stars to is brought to you by Jasper's always brought to you by the fine folks at Jasper's. So I asked my seven year old that we're taping this on Thursday. You're listening to this on Friday after the event of Thursday evening. But I asked my seven year old who is going to. And yes, this is a, a total humble brag on myself. Her second Jason Isbell Ryman concert in her seven years on this planet. And I asked her. I said, all right, taking you on a date. Where do you want to go to eat before dinner? She goes, dad, the place with the games. I said, wow. I said, you mean Jasper's? Man, I've trained you well. And she, <laughs> and she goes, she goes, yeah. Has she rated us five stars? Does she listen to us every week? Uh, no, you've, you've, you've met her. She's a hater. Um, so <laughs> I, but, but she goes, yeah, the place with the games. And the reason is I can, you can get downtown and be in the area of a downtown event. Hypothetically, Jason is at the Ryman. And I can park for free. I can go in about 6 37 o'clock, get a really nice meal for myself, really good food, decent price. And she can get a great meal. She loves the burgers. You love the burgers. I love the burgers. Everybody loves the burgers. Great specials for Preds games. We can watch a little bit of the Preds game before the con before the concert. She can then we can go play air hockey in the game room. She can get a little energy out. And then we can head on down to the Ryman for a, an amazing show. She just wants to make, she really, really wants Death Wish. So I'm hoping that when you're listening to this, she's heard <laughs> Death Wish, which is not exactly the, great, the greatest song for your seven-year-old to know all the words to. But, well, I was just going to say, uh, is she asking questions about King of Oklahoma? Because uh, She loves that one, too. I'm she sure loves she that does. one, too. Uh, he Isbel just likes dropped... the house shoes shuffle, you know, sliding across, across the floor. So Isbel dropped the video to it uh, here today, and Oof. Um, Oof. it's it's pretty great. Um not 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 appropriate for these seven year olds. She she loves the the Lucas Nelson. She loves Lucas Nelson as well because uh, she has amazing taste. And uh, the new record from Lucas Nelson is 
you know, alcohol is what is it? What is it? Alcoholaluya is like the second track on the record. And like when I hear my five year old walk around the house singing alcoholaluya, I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> are, are we sure we're doing this right? Anyway, this is gonna get this is gonna end up with with DCS showing. I know, up I know. Anyway, anyway, go to Jasper's. It's a great place to take your seven year old or any other event or reason you need to go eat. Got to grab a go market and free parking. Uh, go to okay. Jasper's. So, uh, we're gonna you're gonna we're gonna play a quick clip of. Josh Mancuso's Auburn video so that you kind of get a reference because we talk about it a lot in uh, in the uh, in the interview. But I wanted to quickly a, a, a point. I want to point this out because I had this experience over the weekend as I took my two daughters to Newland Stadium to watch the Texas A&M game. And it's the first time they've been to Newland Stadium. And I think we talk about this a lot on the show that fans can choose what they want in their content. There's so much out there. You can pick and choose what you want. Sometimes you might be in the mood for just pure Homer state run propaganda. Some fans you can want choose that. violence if you want to. You can also choose generally on Twitter, but you can choose violence if you want to. I personally seek truth and no other e- example of that, both as a as an analyst in the media, but also as a fan. Like I can handle the truth. So I enjoy the truth and I want the truth. And I know there was no bigger dichotomy in my in my life than Saturday at Neyland Stadium. And I bring this up quickly just to say that win over Texas AM as a father with his two daughters in Newland Stadium for the first time, doing singing Rocky Top, doing the chants, doing the whole deal, indoctrinating them into what Tennessee, really what college football is all about and what the SEC is all about, the tailgates and the campus and the atmosphere, the whole deal. It was probably, I mean, truly one of the most memorable days of my entire life. Just j- pure joy in my heart after watching them do that and walking out of that stadium, just especially with a win, the place goes crazy on the punt return and they had a, an absolute ball. The media side of my brain walked out of that stadium going, I'm not sure how good this football team is. I don't I don't think if they play like that, they can beat Alabama or they can beat Georgia or they can even beat Missouri. I don't know. But the point was, is that I could I never felt the dichotomy of the brain more than walking out of that stadium with so much joy on one side of of me and so much doubt on the other. And it's to me, it's no better example of how you can embrace everything that is great about your team and experience that and love it and pass it on to your kids and then also seek truth and accuracy in in your in the coverage of your team because the fact is that Tennessee scored one offensive touchdown against an average SEC team at home who's trying to fire its coach that is a factual statement no opinion injected into that this dichotomy might not be might might be even greater if you are a Titans fan right now <laughs> Trying to trying to find some yeah, reason to keep yeah. watching the team for the rest of the season, yeah, it, it is yeah. it is yeah, it's rough. Um, so I just think that that be self aware of what type of content you are seeking, because uh, I had a really strange experience walking out of Neyland with two sides of my brains going like, Joe Milton sucks, but my kids love it. <laughs> like that, that's that's all. Like it was so easy to see the two sides, and so you know, I, I'm maybe I'm a cynic. I seek truth in in my fandom. Maybe that's the the fact that I've been a Mets fan and a Tennessee Volunteers fan and a Predators fan that like I just accept the bad. Um, but who, who knows? We'll, we'll see. I, either way, it was c- could not have been happier with, uh, you know, the, the entire weekend was just truly amazing. So uh, I, 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 the, the, the thing I, the thing I love about this, we were talking about this before uh, before we came on uh, is is the the power up that your five year old needed for extra extra yeah. loud cheering was an extra shaker yeah that she my, needed 
She yep. needed a shaker in each hand in order to be really, really loud. She she goes on th- on third down specifically. Yeah. And again, teaching them those nuances again was one of the like. I have not cheered for a first down for one of my favorite teams in 15 years. And when you have kids, it forces you to sort of re-engage into that into that deep-rooted fandom where you cheer on every play. And and that is one of the greatest gifts my children have given me is that I'm kind of refinding that part of my, you know, we watch a game. Hey, let's do the first down dance. Oh, it's third down. Let's get loud. Like it was just so much fun. And yes, my five-year-old looks at me and goes, Dad, give me the shaker. I need two, I need two shakers in both hands so that I can be as loud as possible on third down. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> way to way to go, dude. That was fantastic. No, it was truly like like you know the 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 cliche, really cheesy, the Grinch's heart grew three sizes, you know? That, that is <laughs> that is how I felt during that game. <laughs> I felt like a Grinch going in. I felt like, you know, the I saved Christmas coming out. And then as soon as I started texting people, I was like, oh, Tennessee kind of is not that good. So, but either either way, it lasted for a couple of hours and it was wonderful. All right. Josh Mancuso is our guest on the show. We've got some college football media rights conversation coming up later. A couple of short recommendations that we think are pretty important. So we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but I wanted to play the Auburn video because this is the video that sort of kickstarted his online sort of digital comedic presence in the college football media world. Uh, it got played on the pregame show, I believe, uh, uh, before an Auburn game. So, the, the setup, the setup. If you're if you're only uh, listening to this on audio and you haven't seen it yet, is it, is it's a committee of people talking about how they're going to name the mascot, and he's done this for most of the schools in the SEC. Done it for a lot of other schools outside the SEC, uh, and it's just a it it's a it's a very effective bit. That lets him kind of write into write into several different characters. Um, it, it's it kind of kind of showcases kind of like just how his brain works. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, if you're listening to this, it's going to sound like Josh Mancuso talking to himself for in four different voices, but they're all different characters, and they're all trying to decide what to call Auburn football. Here it is. Welcome to Auburn. We're in charge of choosing the mascot. So uh, what do you guys think? Got to be an animal. What's Alabama going with? An elephant, I think. Typical. Okay, what kills elephants? Lions. Tigers. Bears. How about tigers? Good. Auburn Tigers. Love it. Let's do it. Great meeting. And we'll have an eagle. What? what? What's that? What? An eagle. Caw-caw. Okay, wait, did I miss something? Are we the Auburn Eagles? No, we're the Tigers. But we'll get a real eagle. And we'll fly it around the stadium and everybody will cheer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about the tiger? Yeah, he'll still be there. Okay, so just to clarify, what's our mascot? Auburn Tigers. Great. Go Tigers. War Eagle. What? 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 What, what was that? What did you, you do there? I said War Eagle. Uh-huh. Why? That's that's what we'll, we'll say that to each other. Mm-hmm. And when will we say this? All the time. Non-stop. On campus, at the store, it will be loud. <laughs> War Eagle. <laughs> War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Doesn't sound like a word anymore. War Eagle. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Can we at least name the Auburn Tiger? Right. Yeah, sure. What do you got? Obby. Perfect. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. So, Steve, listen, we're going to talk with Josh here in a second, but that is just one of the most creative sort of he found this little thing that just is so creative and interesting. And of course, college football offers a lot of low hanging fruit, like again, literally off a tree, Ohio State. Like he does one for Ohio State where they're like, what what the hell is a Buckeye? And like he does the whole thing. And it's very funny. Auburn has two mascots. You know what I mean? Like there's just there's so much. What is a Crimson Tide? It's literally named after if you don't know the actual story, 
it's named after like how the crowd looked when they were at a game in like the early 1900s. It just looked like a lot of red in the stand. So they called him the crimson. T- like, so it's, we do sort of give him, there's lots of material it, 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 for, for Josh. The SEC is, the SEC is a very, very rich field. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's, he's done, a, he's done a nice job with this. He's done some other kind of, uh, he's done some other non mascot uh, stuff as, as well around the SEC and around football. And uh, it, I, I think he's found, I, I think he's found this kind of really interesting niche. Um, but he does, you know, and, and we're we're about to talk to him about this. You know, he does does some uh, has done some stand up, has done uh, some acting, some other stuff too. Just a very creative guy. This is yep. a lot of fun. He did. He's done. He's ventured outside of sports a few times, at least on on the social platforms. And I, I'll say, I'm not sure I've ever seen any human being make a better case for a single payer option in our country for insurance than Josh Mancuso. Go check out his Twitter <laughs> account. Go check out the Instagram account. Check out the YouTube page. Do it all. He's very funny, very talented. Here was our conversation with comedian, actor, writer, creative specialist, Josh Mancuso. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, so first and foremost, we'll get into a lot of stuff today with you, but I, I want to just ask, like, what we do on this product is we sort of start the origin stories of, of a lot of reporters and media personalities and uh, guys like yourself, men and women. What, when did you know that performance or com- comedy or entertainment was something that you like truly wanted to do, not just for fun, but like as a profession? Yeah, I mean, when I came out of the womb, I, mean, I was dancing and singing, making jokes. Yeah, I knew right away. I remember being born. Um, actually, it's it impressive. Was, uh, it was traumatic, but it was. Uh, <laughs> I was glad it happened. Um, no, I. Uh, uh, you know, maybe ten, twelve years ago is when I knew that I wanted to do this like as a job, like full time. Like I wanted to entertain people. I wanted to make stuff. Um, I wanted to uh, be funny. So yeah, I was working at a job in marketing at the time. And then I started a um, a video production company on the side. So I was doing videos for other people, weddings, businesses, commercials, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, eventually kind of built that up to the point where I could leave my job and just do that. Uh, But it was all an effort to try to like create my own stuff. Um, And so finally, after, you know, 10 years of making videos for other people. I was like, I'm, I'm dying to do my own stuff, make my own content, um, especially in the, in the sports world. So um, I've been acting for several years before that, uh, um, like as an actor, just have an agent that just books me some roles, little small roles that you've never seen me in commercials, things like that. Um, so I kind of had the acting side of it going, uh, then combining it with my video production work. And I was able to kind of just launch out about a year and a half ago and just say, I'm going to do this for reals and, um, um, be a, uh, be a big time celebrity like I am now. So <laughs> how do you, how did you decide to tap into, uh, into kind of college football and in particular, you know, you've tapped into a, a big sec kind of fan base. Um, but, but that's a, that's a very specific decision. It, yeah, I, I guess so. And I mean, you know, being I live in the South, right? I live in Tennessee. I'm a, a Tennessee fan, but also just a fan of the SEC. I keep up with it. So I'm like, all right, I'm already kind of making comedy videos, which I'd done, you know, um, a handful of, of comedy videos before I got into the sports stuff. And I was like, well, this is perfect. I should just make stuff related to what I'm already doing. You know, I'm already watching football. I'm already talking about football with every, with friends. Let's just make it something I do. So I did the first, um, 
I did a mascot video, um, which went uh, pretty viral. It was how Auburn got their mascot. Uh, and so that, that, was, one, that was the first one. That was the first one. Um, yeah, it was funny. I reposted that one this year just because it's been a year. And I was like, a lot of people haven't seen it. And, and it was, went even bigger, you know, the second time, and uh, which has been cool to see. So, yeah, I was like, hey, I'm already talking sports. I love sports. I love comedy. Let's see if we can combine those two things. And and uh, I have done stuff, you know, with the Big Ten a little bit. I did Ohio State. I've done some, you know, some of those matchups. But, I mean, the SEC is, is where my fan base, you know, fan base is now too. So it's like – Whenever I reach out of that, I do I do bring in some new folks, but it's also my SEC people are like, hey, 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 SEC, buddy, SEC, this is, <laughs> this is your this is your spot. I'm like, all right, yeah. If you're gonna do Ohio State, you got to make fun of them. That's that's the best way to do it. Um, yeah, no, that did. It didn't take long. It was pretty yep, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not hard. Uh, what's funny is like I think in art or you know if you're an, if you're a writer, if you're a painter, if you're a comedian, you know, sports talk radio, whatever. It's sort of like what what you know and what you love is almost always going to hit harder yeah. than, than anything else. And what I'm curious about though is like if you if, if you watch some of your stand up like you have to be an SEC football fan to get one of those punchlines every now and then like you'll you'll <laughs> you'll you'll build up and you'll land a joke and then it's like and then it, the, the people in the crowd that know like they know does do you ever find yourself having to change that based on your audience? Yeah, if, yeah. Actually, in fact, when I do stand up, only a small chunk of it is really football related or SEC related. It's a lot of just other stuff. It's like dad life. It's like normal life type stuff, you know. Um, but that show in Knoxville that I was doing was all Tennessee fans for the most part. There was a few like Carolina fans, Georgia fans, Alabama <laughs> fan that snuck in there somehow. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, you know, even, even people that watch my videos, like I, I have uh, people all the time and I'm not discriminating. Here's a lot of women though, that, that will comment and say, Hey, I don't even know what you're talking about, like in your videos, but like they're funny for some reason. And so I think people can still get the humor without having to know a lot of stuff, but yeah, it's true. Like, talk about what you know. And I know, well, I think I know college football, um, every week I'm reminded that I don't know as much as I do think I do, but, uh, yeah. There's a, there's, there's a great Easter egg in the Bama video, like, <laughs> like three quarters of the way through one of your characters has. And, and if, if you, if you haven't seen it, it, the, the, the setup is, uh, you have, you have two or three different characters and, and, in, in the mascot series, one of them says, okay, we're doing a mascot and it's kind of mascot yeah. origin stories, but there's a, there's a line down in there that says, uh, about Dixieland delight and about, <laughs> yeah. and about the fact that if, if anybody knows this is the, as a Tennessee and this has driven me nuts for, for years, it's that why are Bama fans singing and singing this song? It's about Tennessee. Yeah, but they think they think they own everything over there in Alabama. They're even <laughs> taking our songs now. Next thing you know, they'll be singing Rocky Top in their stadium and claiming that it's about Alabama. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's a little nugget there that um, hopefully people people got. But it is a song about it's it's right there in the lyrics. You know, Tennessee Byway. I mean, yeah, on yeah. a Tennessee Saturday night. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear than it is right there. I, 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 I'll have to go back and check, but I do want to. I want to say like the whole song's about a night that they like a party went real wrong in Tennessee is I think what the, <laughs> what the song is actually about. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds accurate. What's awesome about the sec. And just as somebody who's covered the league for 20 years now, like, you know, you do the, the, the Auburn tiger video and you look at the crimson tide. And like, if you actually know the origin stories to the mascots, like it's even more on a platter for you. It's just like <laughs> sitting yeah. right there. Like the sec more than any conference I can think of just, it, it has, it's so inherently ridiculous. And I think that's what yeah. makes it great. It's what makes it great as a fan, but it also has to just provide endless amounts of material. 
Yeah, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, this stuff writes itself most of the time. I don't have to, you know, I just have to come up with how to say it, you know, but um, a lot of these jokes write themselves. Um, a lot of lot of content there in, in the SEC. Um, we got a lot of tigers, uh, mascot-wise, that's for sure. <laughs> At least three that I can think of right now. Uh, plus a wildcat, whatever that is, uh, yeah, which I think is some kind of, I don't know what wildcat is exactly, but, but <laughs> nobody does. <laughs> nobody. It's a cat that lives in the woods, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you know what the, you know. The mascot videos are definitely um, what kind of got me going, and now I've been doing a lot of um, like I call them fan versus fan videos, right? So like a matchup between two. I pick like a game of the week, and I'll do a matchup between those two fans, and they go back and forth arguing about which team is better or arguing about their traditions, all that kind of stuff. So um, again, trying to stick in the SEC as best I can, but sometimes there's, you know, I did Ohio state Michigan last year um, just cause it was you know a big game, but uh, yeah, that's from a, from a, from a technical side, are you scripting all that out and then, and then shooting it or are you just kind of ad libbing sometimes and then you pick it up in the edit? How, how are you, how are you producing all these things? Yeah. I, I'm okay. I'm very meticulous about the writing. Like it's, yeah, I write it down to a T. I mean, I do leave room. I, I do leave room to ad lib some at the very end. I'll just kind of ad lib a little bit. It rarely makes it into the, into the cut. Uh, Cause I'm pretty, um, yeah, I'm pretty much a stickler for the script. And and that's what takes me the, the longest in the whole process. And that's a, one of the most asked questions I get is how long does it take you to make your videos and, and to do this whole thing? And writing is what takes the longest. So, you know, shooting it, you know, I'm, I'm shooting, you know, 10 or 15 minutes per character. Um, you know, I do all of one character and then I change clothes, do all the next character and do that. So it's like 30 minutes or so just to, you know, to film it um, and then editing um, it tends to take several hours. It does, you know, to get it, to get it just right. But the writing, sometimes I'll sit down, I'll write something and it just clicks in like 30 minutes. I'm like, wow, I just, bang, you know, banged out a script. that's going to be dynamite, but that's rarely the case. Usually it's like over the course of days or weeks, I'll just keep gnawing on it until I get it to where I want it. Um, and even, even when I make it, I'm still not pleased with it. Like I, I would write it for like months. Like that's, but eventually you have to just like, just make the video, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's usually, you know, it takes me a little while to write, but um, yeah, honestly, I do a little bit of research, you know, um, but just enough so that I know what I'm talking about, but not enough. So where I, I get the real story in there too much. Cause the whole point of the mascot videos is like, it's yeah. from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know the story. That's why it's funny. Um, Cause I get people that comment sometimes they're like, well, if you did your research, you know, that the reason we say this, I'm like, it's a great story. Yes. But that's not why I'm doing, you know, this is a comedy video. That's, that's not the point. Yeah. So when you go back to your, well, I was going to ask about the the first, like you make that transition, right? You're already acting a little bit. You're, you yeah. have a production company. So you have certainly all the skills to, to turn this thing on how did you sort of figure out the the right form because you've got people are inundated with content from a million different places at all times um there's uh, so many different f- mediums formats that work very well uh, especially on the cell phone so what how did you kind of hone in on what you wanted to do and what was the first couple like were were they are you do you go yeah. back and watch them now and go man that was really really good or uh maybe maybe we bury that one yeah, no, I go back and I watch them. Like, I've gotten a lot better since then, um, which is good. That's where you want to be. If you're not getting any better, then yeah. uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing it at all. Uh, so it's it's good to to see that. But um, yeah, I kind of feel like once I started getting at it, um, almost like the Instagram 
restrictions is kind of what forced me into doing like 90 second videos, right? So 90 seconds and under is considered a reel that you can make longer videos and they'll be up there. But I think through the algorithm and through things like that, like they're going to push to stuff that's under 90. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to do it in 90 then. Um, so I would do it. But then if you want it to be on YouTube shorts or Facebook, though, it's got to be under a minute. So um, for the reels part anyways. So, you know, I knew that I got to do, you know, in 90 seconds. So I, I would kind of write it to match that. And really now I've kind of got a good, a good flow. It's about two and a half pages of script. And that's what equals about 90 seconds. And yeah, I'm usually right at that cusp. I usually end up having to cut a thing, you know, one or two things out. Um, but you know, that kind of forced me into the time frame that I was, that I was working with. Um, yeah. I think you had another part to your question and I forgot what it was because, <laughs> well, it just, you know, the uh, certainly technology dictates the format, but I was just curious yeah. when you got started because you had so many other interests, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. do you have any clue that this is where it was going to, the direction it was going to take you? No, not really. Honestly. I mean, I was kind of, um, acting, you know, um, I've, I've directed some films, some short films, uh, even a little documentary, like I've done a lot of that work. So it's a lot of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what works and, and seeing what sticks. And so this is what stuck the best, um, initially. And I was like, all right, so we're going to double down on this and keep doing it. Um, not like I don't have a, you know, vision for my career. Like I'm just going to throw everything at the wall and whatever happens, it happens, you know, let's just <laughs> whatever, but it's all within the realm of entertainment and acting and being, it's all within the same kind of career path. So it's like, what, 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 method what vehicle do we want to use you know to get there um and so right now this is what's working and hopefully you know it keeps working so i have you know i have aspirations of acting you know in will ferrell movies and and uh (laughs) in in big comedies and that's where i'd like to be but if if all i i mean that's that's the goal so but if all i did for the rest you know rest of my life was make hilarious videos and talk about college football all day like i would be a happy happy fellow so what was the uh there's 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 a bit of wardrobe that goes on in every one of them how much how much are you willing to spend on uh on on <laughs> something for for a new video and you know you, do you really want to invest that much in like a michigan sweatshirt or like uh like an ohio <laughs> right. state that's a great question and i have both of those hanging to my right right here uh michigan ohio state my guy i have a wall of hats that goes all actually all around my my studio and um so, you know, last year I was partnering with a couple of different organizations. One was called the 33rd team. They're an NFL media company and then outsider, uh, Jay Cutler's, uh, media company. And so in partnership with them, they bought me a lot of the stuff that I was wearing at that point. So now I'm able to reuse, reuse some of that, but I have bought so many shirts. I'm typically just on Amazon, like, give me some two day shipping. I just had an idea. Now I need to get a shirt <laughs> and it's got to get here by Thursday. Right. So yeah, I, you know, I've dropped so you're, not, some... you're not hitting goodwill. I, uh, once or twice I hit a goodwill. Yeah. yeah. But typically I'm just going, yeah, I'm going to Amazon. I'm like, let's just get it here. Um, you know, so yeah, it, I tell you what, it, I don't mind putting on, like I can put on a South Carolina shirt. I could put on a, you know, uh, Oklahoma stuff. I've, I've done lots of Oklahoma. I could do it, but putting on that Bama shirt and those Ohio state and Michigan shirts are, those are tough. Those are tough to, to put on. <laughs> how, how many, how many videos has the wig made it into? <laughs> the mullet, uh, man, he, uh, Randy, Randy Rodney is, is his name. And he's been in, um, he's been in 20 plus videos. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. He, in fact, I got people asking for Randy specifically. Like I get booked for events and things and like to go speak or do comedy. I had one corporate gig where they were like, we want Randy. I'm like, well, 
okay, like we want you to wear the wig and be Randy. I'm like, what do you, what do you want? You want me to come like as myself first? No, no, we want you to come as Randy, and that's it. I was like, all right, I guess Randy's coming. I'm just, you know, living in Randy's shadow. I, I, my my seven year old's birthday is today. I'd like Randy to show up at the birthday party, please. Just I'll call. be there. <laughs> Send me an invite. I'll be there. All the kids will run away, scared to death. I'm like, ah, stranger the- date. There's a there's a bunch of creators that have talked uh, like like I I, I just heard a, a really good interview with the Chef Reactions guy, um, okay, who who was talking about um, how he didn't want to be over invested in one platform like kind of like like in in either Instagram or TikTok because he he'd done a lot of stuff on TikTok but then he realized oh wait <laughs> TikTok may be banned in certain states and and, right. and stuff like this <laughs> like kind of how do you, how do you decide how do you decide kind of where to go and and does it get exhausting to try to like be on like 10 different platforms at once oh yeah you guys probably know how that is a little bit i mean it is exhausting to be on all these platforms you know they opened up threads or whatever i was you know i'm friends you gotta get on threads i'm like i don't i mean i did i don't want to i forget i don't post on there (laughs) at all um but neither neither, uh, neither does anybody else nobody else does either i'm like I forgot about threads till yeah. till just now when I mentioned it on this podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> having to get all those, it, it could be a, a pain in the butt. But but ultimately, you know, I, I did kind of let the market dictate. Like I was putting my videos on every platform, and Instagram just kind of rose to the top because um, I think that's where my audience really is, and and um, what were the age group, interests, all that stuff, and it just was working. Um, TikTok is kind of just right behind that. And then, and then maybe Facebook, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, TikTok is, is what's so funny is like, I always joke about how, like, I'm, I'm really big on Instagram, like the one platform that doesn't pay Jack, you know, um, <laughs> but on YouTube, the the best month, that's where I have my least amount of followers. You know, I got like less than 10,000 over there and I'm like trying to make that work. Uh, the TikTok, I monetize there with their uh, beta program, their creativity beta program, I think is what it's called. And I've made you know some money there. So pushing that, but like, you know, like you said, um, Steve, there's, I mean, TikTok may not be here in six months. And so it's like, yeah. I can't, that's not a reliable source, um, but it can be for now. Like, let's just ride it as long as we can. Um, so yeah, it's definitely right. The, the business uh, strategy of, of having multiple streams of revenue, right? So let's try to get a piece of every pie yep. plus other stuff, other ways to make money, right? So I'm doing live shows and I got brand deals, those types of things. That's, you know, because if I'm relying on social media, I mean, that stuff could be pulled out from under us at, at any point. Uh, all of all of a lot of my branding for my companies and clients are almost all tied to Twitter, and that's going great yeah. for me. Uh, it was yeah. it, it was great for a while, and now maybe not so much. Uh, which <laughs> which which fan bases? Do you get the most response from in the SEC? Which ones are good? Which ones are good-hearted and good-spirited about it? And which ones are like just absolutely irate about it? Oh man, that's a great question. I mean, I do get Tennessee fans are my biggest, uh, you know, uh, amount of fans just because I myself am a Tennessee fan. Although for a long time, a lot of people didn't know that I was a Tennessee fan because everything I did was fairly unbiased because I was doing all these different teams. Now I've just kind of made it known that, you know, I'm, I'm a Vols fan, but I still respect all the other teams and, and enjoy their, you know, traditions and, and their history too. But um, honestly, most fan bases engage pretty well. Um, there's always the, you know, honestly, the Alabama fan who might feel like, you know, I'm not giving them enough love because they're used to being coddled and loved all day long. And, um, <laughs> and if I'm not doing that, they're like, well, what, like, you know, I put out my, you know, top 25 rankings every Monday for anybody that cares or looks at them, but I enjoy putting them out there. 
And there's usually a Bama fan that's like, Bama's too low. They should be up higher. I'm like, no, you know, I bet, I bet they should. Uh, but <laughs> overall, no, I'm honestly, most people, um, have yeah. engaged pretty well, man. I mean, there's again, there's the occasional person who's mad about, about whatever, um, they taking it way too seriously, but everybody, everybody's been pretty cool in the sec. No, no I know it's no, hard to believe. Never, never been done. Never happened. It's never been done. <laughs> I'm lying right now. Actually. Yeah, I'm just trying yeah. to completely full of shit. Uh, yeah. what, you've had some opportunities to do some, some stuff it kind of in and around your fandom, like with the university of Tennessee, with some players and stuff. Yeah. Like, do you, do you ever get a moment of like, I, I had a moment early in my career where like all of a sudden I was on the phone with like Bobby Bowden's wife at his house. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> am I doing? Like, how did I call? Cause I was trying to book him on the show. And I remember being like, what am I doing talking to Mrs. Bowden right now? Like, what is what is going on? Do you do you like how much fun has it been for you as a fan to get to integrate your fandom with your work, but also like be involved in inside the program to some degree? Yeah, it's awesome. And actually, hang on one second. I got this is this is uh, Mrs. Heupel. I got to take this. Real quick. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely talking to the wives of all the coaches. Sure. Um, especially that could be especially Mrs. Pruitt, I believe. Mrs. Mrs. Yeah. You're wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting in trouble here. Um, yeah, it, it, it has been super cool uh, to be involved with the university at that level because, like, I grew up a Tennessee fan. Uh, you know, I fell in love watching Tennessee football when I was um, watching tapes of like the 1986 Sugar Bowl against Miami. Was 86? I think 86. Yeah, and watching those tapes and uh, just loving those early days, and and then obviously I played football in in you know middle school and high school, so I always wanted to, to be better than I was, and of course I was watching Tennessee as like you know um, kind of the the where any kid would want to go play if he had the opportunity if he's from Tennessee. So being involved now is kind of like like they think it's cool that I'm working with them. I'm like, y'all have no idea. Like I walk in this facility and I'm like giddy, like a kid, you know? And, uh, when I did a video with Joe Milton, I was like, I'm, I just put on a Tennessee helmet with the T on it, which, which was just like anything I'd ever wanted to do in my life. And, and then caught passes from the starting quarterback of the university of Tennessee. And that was all part of a gag and whatnot. But still I was like, wow, who'd have thought, you know, all those years ago that I was some kid who just wanted to, to be part of the program in some way. And now, now I am. And it's been cool to um, hopefully they'll keep claiming me until I say something stupid and they'll probably let, cut me off. But um, so far, so good. How does how does one blend uh, West Coast and Appalachia? <laughs> well, first, by saying Appalachia, not Appalachia. Uh, uh, first thing you get, Braden, you're from the South. I mean, right? I know. No, I know. I, I grew but, up in the. But apparently not from Appalachia. I, I, well, <laughs> that's true. I'm a big city boy from from Nashville, but. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Cade's Cove was a bit. I was, you know, I killed some brain cells when I was in Appalachia. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not the only one. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, you know, I was so I was born in LA and lived there till I was four or five years old, and then moved to East Tennessee. Uh, but we would go back all the time to visit my my dad's family is out there, so we go visit all the time. And and I was out there a couple years ago, but I don't go every year. But um, I've always had this infatuation. I don't as much anymore, but I had this infatuation with Hollywood and the big Hollywood and the kind of old classic Hollywood and acting and, and the Oscars and just movies, like the whole like beautiful piece of, of that, that in its pure form, if that exists anymore, I don't think it does, but when it did exist, um, I just, I loved, and, and as an, being an actor, I was like, I want to be in that. So there's this sort of a, you know, you can take the kid out of Hollywood, but can't take the Hollywood out of the kid. So living in East Tennessee, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, do what I can from here um, rather than living out there. So um, 
Yeah, you know, I think I got a little bit. I don't know what what the West Coast personality is exactly, other than a little bit of a beachy, carefree, Hollywoodish type. You know, enjoying you know that that part of the culture, all the all the positive parts of the culture out there. Um, <laughs> but also still talking like a redneck, still listening to country music and drinking drinking cold beer. So you know, I mean, you get a little bit of both. Tell me, tell me what it's all right now is. Mm, uh, good job. You guys are great, man. Um, it's all right now is a, is a film that I was in, uh, it's shot in Alabama. I had to be in Alabama for that. It was a, it was tough, but I made it through it. It was in Birmingham. (laughs) I was down there for uh, just over a week and, uh, it's an independent film. Um, so very, very low budget, but I liked the script a lot. So I jumped in and I, uh, they cast me as the part of a dad to the main character, uh, the, the daughter, she's the main character. I'm her dad. I'm kind of a deadbeat dad. He likes to, you know, drink a lot of beers and smoke a lot of cigarettes and just kind of not be around. So that's, uh, that was my role. It's a small role. I'm only in the film about 10 minutes, but I, I, I loved it. Um, I'm a producer on the film too, meaning we gave a little bit of money to it. Not a lot because again, it was low budget, but a little bit. And, um, yeah, it's just a great indie story. It's a great uh, coming of age film about this girl and all the things that she deals with growing up in the seventies with parents who are kind of, you know, in and out of her lives and friends, uh, who were, uh, hanging out all summer and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, it's on uh, Amazon prime and Tubi right now. People can go watch it, but it's a, it's a great, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, um, you look at what we did with what we had and you're like, that's pretty, that's pretty dang good movie. Um, so very low budget, but, uh, but a great story and we had a great director script is great. So yeah, very, very cool experience. How much of how much of a bug did that give you? Oh, bad. I mean, I literally left and I was like, I can't wait to be back on set again. And I've only been I've been in two films since then. That was a year ago. So I've only you know been able to get back into um you know on, on a film set twice in the last year, uh, maybe three times. So I, yeah, it, it's it is a bug. That's exactly right. Like once you once you get it, like you have to go back. So um i expect that in 2024 i'll be doing a lot more of that kind of stuff so we're we're working towards producing some of our own stuff as well as obviously me trying to get cast in some other things awesome you, you yeah one of my favorite parts about <clears throat> i've been in in sec I, I call it the sec footprint um since i was yeah. basically four or five so i'm 41 now so that the vast majority of my life and one of my favorite parts about the south is how misunderstood we are from other parts of the country and some of some of that is very clearly, uh, you know, obvious in our music, uh, these small towns that create these extraordinary musicians, but also like the story you just told, like most Hulk, quote unquote, big, big, big movies now are like, it's like a Marvel movie or like a Disney movie or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, they're not the, the real stories come from things like that. The indie film that you do, where you tell a real person's story in a real situation. What, what is it about the South that, I mean, obviously there's struggle, there's, there's the racism, there's all this back and forth with with who we are, but what is it about our culture down here that creates extraordinary art? Yeah, man, that's a great question. And I think that number one, I think largely those stories haven't been told over time. And so now people are starting to take those types of um, stories and, and and bring them to life. Um, just like, uh, was it JD Vance's book? Um, which is getting the name escaped me at the moment, um, but it's about Appalachia. Um, and they made a movie, actually Hollywood made a movie on Netflix movie about that. Um, I don't love it though, when Hollywood kind of comes into the South and Appalachia to make their movies, cause it doesn't usually have a, as truthful of a, a spin on it as, as we would love, but the South is just, 
I feel like we got it all. I mean, we got the we got the uh, the mountains, we've got the landscape, we've got the 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 people, we've got the um the hospitality, we've got talent. Um and so now more than ever you're seeing that people can make movies living anywhere in the country, right? So Hollywood is still going to be number 1, New York is huge, Atlanta is probably even second uh to LA, I mean Chicago, you know, Pittsburgh is a lot of cities, do it, but you can live almost anywhere and make movies now and have it seen by as many people as you can get on Amazon Prime or, or somewhere like that. It's like, it's like social media. You know, you, you whatever is good will rise to the top. Right. So if you post in good content and it's and it's getting through there, it eventually will rise up uh, to the top. And, and that's the same thing with with Amazon and some of these other deals. You've got filmmakers that are making their own writing their own stories, making them in in Appalachia, other places like that. And then getting it out, self-distributing and getting it out on platforms like Amazon and, and iTunes and Tubi, uh, and then making their money back just based on those sales and then going and funding the next film, right? So um, it's not quite as easy as I make it sound. It's a lot of process to it, but that can happen for anybody that has like a real vision. And I think the South and people around here have that ability. And I would love to see more filmmakers step up and start doing that. And we're seeing it now. So I want to be, I would love to be part of that that revolution of, of filmmakers who are like, all right, we're just going to do it from right here where we are. We're going to make awesome stories about Appalachia. I currently have two feature film screenplays. I'm working on both of them set uh, in Appalachia and would love to get them funded and make them. Cause I think they would be dynamite. Well, the, the authors that come from sec towns, the musicians that come from sec towns, oh, the, yeah. the, the stories, the acting it's, it's to your point, it's all there. Um, all right, I'll leave you with this. You've been very gracious with your time and we do appreciate it uh, yeah, and, and keep up the good work. When Tennessee does hypothetically beat Vanderbilt 56 to nothing and, yeah. and, and that happens, what exactly do you say to Nate Bargatze? Oh, I'd say Nate, I told you so. I mean, just like, I don't even know if I would even say anything. Uh, he would just be like, yeah, this, you know, this is what happens. This is what we do. You know, it was like, he told me, he was like, he's like, I heard you were joking on uh, Vanderbilt a little bit. I was like, yeah, I was joking on Vanderbilt. And he was like, look, we're just over here. Just minding our own business, just doing our own thing. You know, why you got to joke on Vanderbilt? And I said, like, well, cause it's just, it's just so easy. Um, and uh, if you're going to be the little brother within the state, you're going to have to take the, take the beatings. And uh, yeah, I probably won't get any, you know, me messages from Nate the week that we beat Vanderbilt, I bet, but he'll get some from me. <laughs> what, what, what happens like when Jay Cutler wins in Neyland? Like what, what those, those types of games, is he incorrigible? <laughs> is he, is he just absolutely incorrigible at that? Cause they don't win. I had a boss, my boss for oh, 15 yeah. years, my boss for 15 years, uh, was a Vanderbilt grad and a great man loved, learned everything I know about the guy. But like those three times they, you know, Jordan Rogers goes into Neyland stadium and wins. Like he's just completely obnoxious. I know. I don't know. I don't know Jay Cutler personally, but I, but yeah, Jordan, I bet Jordan um, loves it when, uh, when, when Vanderbilt wins. I mean, you know, it's, they've produced a couple of good quarterbacks there. Well, just the two we've named actually. Yeah, just the two. Of, actually, now <laughs> just, that I think about just it. Just the two. <laughs> just Jordan and Jay. Who are, um, who are, who are better on television. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if, if Vanderbilt wasn't a founding member of the, a member of the SEC, would we still allow them to be in there or would we have kicked them out by now? I, I think you answered your own question there. Okay, great. Uh, where would where would we send them? Who cares? Uh, with wherever Swanee's at right now. That's, Swanee, that's right. <laughs> that's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> Josh, Josh, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Congrats on the success, and and uh, Thanks, enjoy the rest of the season. Appreciate you guys. Go balls. 
That was Josh Mancuso, comedian, writer, actor, creative, video editor. Uh, I thought listening to his process about how he puts those together, like tons of writing, script writing, planning, the video shoot doesn't take long and then tons of editing. That sounds right in my head as someone who also creates a lot of content, not nearly as well as he does, but it, it is, uh, man, he found, he's found a really cool niche and it's, it's very entertaining. It's very funny. It's a great addition to our sec sports diet. And, um, but he's also really interested in other stuff. And I, I, I can't wait to see what some of those other things are that he puts together. It's been fun to see them pop up on, uh, you mentioned this earlier, pop up on CBS. Uh, the, the, I, I think it's been in the in the pregame for like the 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 big you know two thirty Saturday afternoon show. Anyway, just a lot of fun to see him uh, kind of get kind of catch a little bit of the national spotlight. Uh, good uh, good to see it. Good, he seems like a really good dude. Yeah, uh, lots of fun stuff. Quickly here, media rights notes for college football. If you're interested, I think there's some really good stuff here to keep an eye on as as it pertains to the future health of the sport. Uh, go to Jasper's, by the way. Um, it, I had. I'm taping this on Thursday, but I had a lovely meal there on Thursday evening with my daughter before the Jason Isbell show. So go to Jasper's great home and road specials to watch Preds games. For those of you who have cut the cord like Steve Cavendish have and are watching on YouTube TV, hard to watch the Preds. So pop into Jasper's free parking, great drink specials, and it'll cost you less than buying the Bally Sports app. So go to to Jasper's, everybody. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Quickly, there there was some reporting um, from Andrew Marchand of the New York Post about the media rights deal for the college football playoff. There's going to go from three games a year to 11 games a year. Uh, next year, the, 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 the NCAA and the powers that be are going to be looking for $60 million per game. If you do the math on that, that's about $660 million per year. A 10-year contract would, would work out roughly around $7 billion. They have two years of a 12-team playoff that are not going to be under that contract because they've expanded it early. Uh, so 2026 is when this contract would start. The reason I bring all this up is that they are currently hosting Amazon. They are currently hosting ESPN, Turner, and uh, I think NBC was there as well. Fox is also a major player in college football, but they don't seem to be as interested. They are certainly going to divvy up the pie. But here's what, here's what matters, Steve. Keep an eye on where the number comes in because they're currently hosting these. They're, they're taking bids right now. They're under negotiation. Uh, the Turner Turner's involved in the NBA. If they don't get the NBA, they're going to be heavily involved in college football. Amazon's numbers on Thursday night for their football package are off the charts. Good. They are showing that it, that it absolutely works on a streaming service. Even if sometimes it's hard to get in like a sports bar, if you're traveling or a hotel, but they're really, really good ratings. If the numbers come in below $60 million, I think there is, should be real concern per game. There should be real concern about how, the television networks value the product because the reason we're seeing super conferences in the big 10 and the sec is big brands sell. And they're the only ones that the TV networks care about. And if the value comes in under 60 million, basically what they're saying is that TV networks don't care about the bottom 70 to 80% of the sport. And that is not good news for college football, for those diehards who love or the Oregon state, games and the Oklahoma State games and the West Virginia games and the Virginia Tech games. If you love more than just the top flight stuff, keep an eye on that number. If it comes in around 60 million or above, then I think we're going to find some stability for at least another decade or two. And so I just wanted to point that out. Keep an eye on those numbers if they come out anytime soon. If you love if you love flipping on ESPN two at 930 on a Saturday night and catching 
Idaho, Montana from the Kibbe Dome. And by the way, if you don't know what the Kibbe Dome is, just just Google it and go look at the pictures. It's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, but um, you know, a little Big Sky football as a uh, as a uh, that's as even a, lower. That's even lower a, than I was giving as people. a little as a little aperitif on the end of your college football day. A di- um, a di- I think that's a digest teeth, actually, Steve. A digest teeth. Thank you. But you were a uh, food writer, dog. Come on. Uh, whatever. Uh, I, I yeah. Uh, but if but if, but if you enjoy having some of having some of that around that that content around, then uh, you know hope for the big number and and, and the trickle down yeah. effect there. Otherwise, because again, right now you would have an Ohio State Air Force playoff game. Not sure that's worth sixty million, but you know what would be a Penn State Alabama playoff game in the first round because that's also a possibility right now. If you look at you the know rankings. what though, I, so. I'm I am more inclined to turn into to turn into the Ohio State Air Force game than I am to Penn State Alabama. I think for the one upset that that happens in ten years, that would be true, but I think the other nine would be pretty bad. There, there's, Unfortunately. there's gonna be. I think. I, I, fortunately, I think that there is enough diversity in the in the in the bottom of the bracket. I think there's going to be a lot of people sampling just just for fun and and, and frankly, good football games. Yeah, will be oh, blowout. Yeah. There'll be blowouts like in the playoffs in the NFL, but there will be really good football games. And I think the second round. Where you get the top four seeds playing against the four winners, also to me strikes me as worth at least that amount of money. So yep. I don't. I'm, I think, and then the championship games worth even more, and then you know the, the semifinals as well. So just keep an eye on the numbers uh, that are going to be coming out here pretty soon, probably in the next like six to eight months. But reporting that they're looking for sixty million, which translates again to about seven billion dollars total over a ten year contract starting in twenty twenty six, and you may have to find a streaming service to watch some of those games. So. Keep an eye on that. Just want to float I, that it, out. It'll, it, it'll be interesting. To, the other thing to kind of watch there too is to, to see like how much of the broadcast players kind of stay in there uh, as, as the as the valuations go up. Because I mean, as we have said ad infinitum, this is this is the thing that that brings eyeballs to broad you know to actual linear television as opposed to streaming. Yep, and, no question. And if and if they are unwilling to stay in for those prices. That may say more about kind of like what the future of cable looks like than anything else. Yep. Future, ca- all- future cable may like, may look a lot more like Pluto that uh, or uh, or Tubi than uh, than it does a- a- as currently constructed. Well, because number one, Wall Street has told these streaming services no, it's no longer about uh, customer and subscription acquisition. It is about profit, and to have profit, you need ad sales. You need or you have to increase prices, and to do that, Amazon is showing the path right now. They're showing. Look, Thursday night football, it works on on Amazon. Uh, so we sell. I don't know about Apple and MLS yet. We'll see about that. Messi's doing some good work there, but but we shall see. Keep an eye on it. Important stuff moving forward for college football fans for sure. Early uh, early returns on that deal are actually pretty good. That's for, what for I, MLS. I, that's what I'm saying. I think I think long term it was absolutely the foundational play. It may not pay off in the first season or second season, but by the time the MLS is established, the World Cup comes. By the way. One of the best offensive showings in the history of U.S. friendly soccer on Tuesday evening at Geodas Park. There's a lot of young talent on that squad, dog. I, I know it's a friendly. It's I know a, it's Ghana. I don't. I don't care. I was excited about that match. It was a fun. That was a fun first half to watch, and oh. then not so much. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but some guys that we won in the international sweepstakes to come play for our team. I don't know, dude. I'm starting. I'm. I'm allowing myself to get excited about 2026. I'm allowing it. I'm looking for tickets in Atlanta. Not yet. 
Not yet. Maybe, maybe flights to Monterey. I'm it's looking coming. at flights. I'm looking at flights to Monterey already, Steve. 2026. No, Jesus. Don't do that. Dude, that stadium looks awesome. Uh anyway. that, stadium, that, that stadium is actually fairly amazing. There you go. That's Mexico for those of you who need to know. Okay. Uh all right. Quick recommendation here for me. And then I know you got one as well. This one's a little bit heavier, but I think hopefully it allows us to all maybe understand the world a little bit better. Not number one. When a large tragedy is unfolding in real time, you do not have to make yourself a part of the equation by tweeting, by posting on Facebook, by being when you say something during a school shooting or or a war in the Middle East or a weather event, like when you say something, you are making it about you. You're injecting yourself into that. And if it makes you feel good for five seconds, great. But I guarantee you the payoff is not there. So just you don't have to inject yourself into a tragedy on social media and make it about you. I had a lot of things I wanted to say watching the Israeli-Palestinian conflict over the last two weeks, and I didn't say any of them on Twitter. I talked to my wife about them. I talked to my friends about them. I, I did it in person, in real life with people, because I needed to have real conversations, not empty tweets. Um, so I didn't do anything on social media. So that's number one. Number two, it, it, please take time to understand how like two things can be true. Three things can be true about really complex topics. This is a thousand year biblical war in an, in a part of the in a part of the world that's halfway around the globe. And there, there are layers and context to this that are so complicated and complex and nuanced that you cannot find them. Even really high quality news outlets are making mistakes in this coverage. It's really hard. Thanks Elon to find really good coverage of unfolding events anymore. Twitter used to be a good place for that. We'll get to more on that in a second. But uh, just take some time with these subjects. Really think about them. Really study them. Put in some effort. Find good sources of information. Make sure you understand the whole picture before you try to form an opinion. I don't care what kind of opinion you form. It could be different than mine. That's great. But make sure you understand it all before you come. And this applies to sports. This applies to local issues in Nashville. Just take some time with stuff and really put in the effort if you want to understand it before you fire off some fucking tweet about your opinion. You know, you, you don't have to be a college kid celebrating terrorist attacks on campus, and you don't have to be a, a senator saying that we need to level some community of a million children. Like, we, you you don't have to do that right away. You can take time with it and try to understand both sides. I hate and I hate both sides as a as a thing. How do you feel? Is that good? I think that's good. I, I, think, I think that's I think I covered it. Well, I, I think that's I think that's the the right way to approach it. And, and the, to your to your point about kind of like high quality information, uh, I actually picked up a picked up a subscription to Haaretz, which is a yeah, which, which is an, an Israeli newspaper. Um, they they have a, they'll have a they have a monthly subscription plan where you can just pay by month. And so, like, I don't think I'm gonna, I probably will not. I might not be reading it in you know nine right. months, but but for right now, oh no, you'll be um, reading it in a thousand years. Is what it sounds like. Well, they do they do a very good job of of you know kind of on the ground reporting. Um, they're very uh, they're reporting around kind of the intelligence failures. It's very good. Uh, I, I I really appreciated a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the personalization that some of their coverage had about oh, there, you know, there's a reporter who had to like go get a gun to go save his family. Like yeah, it was, it was, it was, his, it was, I think it was his father or father-in-law who like went to, went down. It, yep. It's, it, yep. it's amazing. So I've heard it on a couple different like podcast platforms here. Um, but, but if you're looking for uh, 
good information out of the region, you know, go check out Haaretz because it's it's quite good. Yeah, I think I think the key is take some time, find good sources, and make sure you understand it all. And I think you'll be better off for it. I think all of us are better off for it. I think our our diversity of thought and having those conversations together are going to be more uh, meaningful. And I think it will lead to. And, and frankly, here's the the great news. I think the people that are reacting the best in all of this, ironically, I think are are the Israeli people. They are actually the people on the ground are reacting with incredible uh, courage, valor, thoughtfulness, begging their government not to 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 create a humanitarian catastrophe. It's actually again, that's just my personal opinion, but I think again, go find some information and find good stuff and uh, form your own opinion after some work. That's all. That's all we're asking. Yep. All right, what you got for the good people? Uh, so. Uh- I have I have dug into uh, Blue Sky, which is which is a Twitter alternative. So Blue Sky is a project that came out of as an open source thing out of the, the out of the original Twitter. Um, it's very the, the setup is very similar to Twitter, uh, but it is it is still in development mode. There's about there's about two million people on it right now. It's by invitation only, uh, but you can get an invitation code fairly easily these days just um, most most members have them so if you know somebody who's on it ask them uh i, I occasionally on um on i'll go on twitter and say hey if anybody needs a if anybody wants a life raft uh, i've got some codes and and i'll and i'll just give them i've dm'd them to just just, just random people um so so the, i have the, waited the, the, to i have waited to transition to any other platform we're doing yeah, little so, we're doing we're doing more youtube stuff at 440 but are you suggesting that if I am looking for a lifeline from Twitter, that this is actually because Threads ain't it. Threads te- is not it. You're telling me Thread, this Threads might is, actually Threads be is not it. And, and and the the uh, powers that be behind Threads have said that they are going to downrank news, kind of a, as a function of that platform. Why would you push people away from your platform when keeping people on your platform yeah. is the goal to make money? So. So the thing I like about Blue Sky is that it reminds me a lot of old Twitter in the sense that uh there there is uh you can find news on there you can find people just kind of you know dicking around uh there's 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 a there's an interesting sort of like community vibe to it it hasn't kind of turned into sort of the horrific free-for-all that that uh that x slash twitter can be sometimes now um and it doesn't have it's not fully functional yet in the sense that, that there's no video on the platform yet and there's no gifts but you know other than that it's pretty much twitter uh and I, and i like the i like the vibe of it a lot the, they did something else too which if you've ever used TweetDeck uh oh, as as, tweet as a as a way to as a way to kind of organize uh the to org- as a way of organizing the platform uh, TweetDeck also is best in real time it's the best format to use when you're trying to exactly watch a football game or an unfolding but, event together you have to, with your but, community. But you have to pay for a premium membership now in order to right. get TweetDeck. Um, there is a, they have developed one of the one of the developers because it's open source and they can have people come in and do it. Somebody's already developed a thing called Deck Blue, which is which is uh, essentially TweetDeck, and it's the old TweetDeck code that you can that allows you to have kind of like multiple. That's oh, great. Um, allows you to have multiple uh, uh, accounts kind of within there as well. I, I think it's not like fully there in the sense of like, it's not a second screen experience for sports. Like the way Twitter is like, like you can flip on like during like a big college football game and, 
And if, and if you're, uh, you can find kind of like the people that are watching that and kind of going nuts about big plays and, and posting video and, you know, shit talking and whatever else, it's not there yet. But as, as a, as a platform of, of community and of, and I think the one that leans towards news, it is, it, it is there. And, and I, and I think it's going to grow into eventually a Twitter, a Twitter replacement of some stripe. Well, there's, there's discord. I mean, you've got Reddit message. It sounds like a message board, which is really kind of what original Twitter was anyway. And I, I've played around with the, the two, the, the one that I've played around with truly converting to try to find the same group of people I used to hang out with and talk with during events and games and around the Nashville community and around the college football community. Those two in particular for me, I, I have yet to find that. And so I'm still kind of hanging on for dear life on Twitter and Discord is a little bit, it's a little bit trickier. And maybe that's because I'm an old millennial. I'm a geriatric millennial. But like Reddit's not my thing either. I need a little bit more of a, a smooth experience, a, a UX, as they say. Yeah. Um, but I, I've been kind of waiting and looking and searching for for one because there's going to be a place for all of us to land that don't want all the bullshit, that don't want the garbage and the bots and the bull. Like just it's just garbage. It's not a fun place to be anymore. But we still want to have an interaction in a community with people that, you know, are all like minded, not not like minded opinion wise, but care about a certain subject. And the, so the, if there's going to be an alternative. I, I will be very interested in that. The interesting thing about Blue Sky, too, is the way they're building it is with a number of tools that let people have control over what they're seeing in a way that Twitter never did. Uh, kind of some self-moderation stuff that that allows them to filter out people allows them to filter out kind of different conversations like if, if you know if they want to if you want to if you want to filter out uh you know Hamas Israel talk you can uh if you want to if you want to filter out people that you think are bad actors you can in in ways that it took twitter years to to, to kind of get to because i think they're conscious of it and there are also some kind of tools in there that allow you to build feeds of different people, you know, essentially kind of like yeah. somewhat yeah. like Twitter lists. Yeah. I built one called Nashville media that I've been adding Nashville media members to. If you, if you get over to blue sky, you, you can look at that feed and and you kind of use it as like a, as like a local news feed. If you want to. Am I on the list? You're not on the, you're not on the site yet. So would I be on the list? That's a good point. Do you want an invitation? So I should play with this. All right, you should absolutely you should absolutely play with it. Okay, um, how about this? I, I will think, consider. I, I will consider it a. I will consider it a business experiment. How about that? Uh, there, there is, and there is a fair amount of what uh, what a good friend of mine uh, used to call Jack Nuttery uh, going on over there. Just like people doing silly, stupid stuff. Um, and I and I play, but, but not, but I, not like, but not like an evil, nefarious way. You're saying no, it's no, just like no. a fun, yeah. a fun way. Uh, okay. I, and I, and I place, I place a high premium on silliness sometimes, uh, just as, as a function of a social media, um, experience, because, you know, you should be looking for things that, that bring you delight in life. Maybe, you should be maybe, looking for, looking for things that, that make you happy or make man, you laugh. Man, I, I do all of that live on air like this with you. I, I look for lots of like conversation and thoughtful stuff and, Maybe my wife's right. Maybe I do need to loosen up a little bit. Uh, I don't. I don't like cat videos. I think cat videos suck. That's why I don't like Instagram. That's why I don't like TikTok. I don't. I don't care. If I want to watch something funny, I'm going to watch a really well written comedy. 
on TV. I'm going to go watch Ted Lasso. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe she's right. After all, she knows she knows best. What do I know? Uh, in, 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 as in most things, she's usually right. I know. I know. It just takes me year, long, much longer. That Y chromosome. It's holding me back, Steve. It's holding me back. Uh, all right. Go, uh, go to Jasper's, of course. I guess I'll be on Blue Sky playing around for a little while here soon. Uh, check out Josh Mancuso stuff as well. Uh, and uh, we do appreciate you guys hanging out, listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing. And remember, if you don't give us five stars, you're a hater. All right. For Steve Cavendish, I'm Braden Gall. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.